Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. You can't go wrong with In-N-Out Burger. You can't go wrong with Five Guys. I love Taco Bell. You can never go wrong with Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, I left out Popeyes. When you're talking about your top five fast food places with Chuck, you ain't going to get just the top five. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to eat more than five places. Reverse flush and ain't that a smooth one. This all goes, and I hope I have no friends. And his response was, I'm sorry, I just wanted a Frosty. I want Tyler to know his ass should have got thrown out. If I was a ref, I would have tossed his last. How dare you? Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We have all of your action covered from a good Thursday night, an actual good Thursday night in the NBA. I'm Zach Harper. That's Nitsan Bluestein. We have Rob Lopez checking if J.R. Smith is actually okay. Coming up on today's show, the Rockets can't blast off against the Clippers. Deion Waiters has a home, and LeBron allegedly doesn't care about the MVP award, even though we're pretty sure he does. But first, Steph Curry is back. We mean it this time. Didn't quite result in a victory, so we're still with the Warriors of 2020. But Nits, this was a fun game, a fun, fun Warriors game. They've had some fun games this year, but with Steph back in the mix, uh, this one actually went down to the wire against the defending champs, an NBA Finals rematch. A 7-0 run pulled the game to a two-point deficit with 115 left. Then Pascal Siakam drives the lane, gets a big layup. Curry attacks back, gets fouled, gets the free throw line, cuts it back to two. Siakam responds with another drive, gets fouled with 43 seconds left. Curry missed a three. Damian Lee stole the ball but missed two free throws, and after that it was kind of academic from there. But Steph Curry's back on a minutes restriction. Steve Kerr said he'll be under 30 and playing in short spurts as he come, came, comes back to the lineup. That was pretty much true. First big highlight of this game, a behind-the-back dime in the middle of the floor to Andrew Wiggins for a layup. Hey, Didn't score in the first quarter, made a shot with a defender on his back, got fouled, banked in a, a kind of a 12-foot jumper there, 13-foot jumper, uh, to get on the board for the first time in 59 games. But Nitz, he ended up pretty good. Like, he had 11 points in the half. He finished with 23 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Didn't shoot great, 3 of 11 from deep, but it was good to see Steph back on the floor. Yeah, and he came back way better than I really thought he would. You know, that first half was indicative of how I thought that he would come back, you know, trying to create a lot more for others, taking advantage of the fact that people are paying more attention to him. Lots of passes, lots of just incredible passes, actually, yeah. starting with that dime to Andrew Wiggins. Um, and then in the second half, we saw him be a little bit more aggressive with the scoring. We saw some fun highlights from the guy. I didn't expect any of that. Didn't expect it to be this close. And it's obviously thanks to Steph. Like, it's a non-starter. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, we know the Warriors are missing guys. Uh, we know that uh, the Raptors were missing Marcus Saul and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, but the Raptors, even with their injuries, Warriors are surprisingly competitive in this game. Uh, Raptors pushed the lead to like 11-12 at one point, but the Warriors kept coming back. Damian Lee, big game next to his brother-in-law. 23 points, 5 rebounds. Eric Pascal was great off the bench, had 16 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. For the Raptors, though, Kyle Lowry was amazing in this one. He finished with 26 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, he was scoring big early. He was kind of managing the game perfectly. He set up Norman Powell, who annihilated the Warriors. 23 of his career-high 37 points came in the first half made up for Eric Pascal having a rough game he was 5 of 17 from the floor for 17 points had five rebounds five assists but did have those big buckets down the stretch as I mentioned Raptors forced a lot of turnovers in the fourth quarter um, Nits in terms of the Raptors Norm Powell for me personally 
if he hadn't missed so many games, missed roughly like 19, 20 games this year, he would be my sixth man of the year. Uh, but since he's missed so much time, I just haven't put him in the award rankings, which you can read on The Athletic Friday. Uh, new awards rankings comes out on The Athletic on Friday. But uh, with Norm Powell, with him stepping up, with you know Serge Ibaka stepping up, Terrence Davis came off the bench, had a monster dunk on what on, uh, on I can't remember. I think it was on Marquise Chris. It was a big monster dunk in this one. Um, this Raptors team just remains resilient. Yeah, absolutely. They have that. I hate when people say this, but it's true. They have that championship pedigree. They know how to play hard. They know how to play hard down the stretch. Um, And they're incredibly well coached with a bunch of guys that have a lot of skill. And like you said, Norm Powell is kind of having a a career year for himself. So all of these guys are just stepping up in ways that I don't know how many of us saw coming into the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The Raptors did have six players in double figures, all five starters, plus Terrence Davis, who again had that monster dunk in the first half. They improved to two and one on the road trip, still have two games left. In terms of the Warriors, uh, they couldn't hit from deep. They were 14 of 52 from three-point range in this game. But Andrew Wiggins, 21 points, nine rebounds, shot okay in this one, missed some open looks, uh, had a big block at one point on a jump shot. Uh, But how did you like, you know, Wiggins, his activity playing next to Steph Curry for the first time? I loved it. I mean, starting right off the bat, the fact that he was open for that layup and then there was one play where Steph passed it to Chris passed it to Wiggins and Wiggins was completely open in the corner nobody's paying attention to him I think that Wiggins and Lee who also like you mentioned had a really good game are just going to eat now that Steph is back and grabbing all that uh gravity as people love to say oh I love that gravity love it shout out to Sandra Bullock and George Clooney uh (laughs) with uh with that game though don't worry Raptors fans we know you're the defending champs and you won but Steph's a story All right, and it's the other big game of the night. Clippers 120, Rockets 105 in Houston. It really wasn't that close, though. Clippers are now 10-0 when they are fully healthy. No injuries reported. Uh, That seems pretty good to me to go 10-0. And this one really was only close because garbage time got the Rockets some extra points. They put up 40 points in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't that serious. Uh, Clippers put it on the Rockets in the first half. They swarmed James Harden. They dared others to uh, get a clean shot off before they recovered. They forced the Rockets into 30% shooting after the first three quarters of this game. They were up 30 points in this game, Nitz. Um, It just felt like, look, the the Rockets have been very good since they made the trade and the change to small ball. Uh, It's worked for the most part but this was a matchup that was really going to test them and the the Clippers aren't super big right it's just they have a lot of the same size guys who are just better than the Rockets uh, but they were able to go inside with Evisa Zubats a lot with Montrez Harrell a lot and the Rockets just couldn't do anything yeah totally and like you mentioned they're not that big but they have some of the best perimeter defenders in the league and when you're going up against guys that are shooting a bunch of threes obviously that's going to match up badly for them and you know they made they, they made what did they go like five of 40 or something total seven of of 42 (laughs) amazing they went seven of 42 and you could blame a lot of that on variance obviously you know you're going small ball you're gonna have nights where you miss a lot of those but they didn't get a lot of good looks either to credit of the clippers defense in this game yeah like i think i thought there was some waves here of like oh yeah that was an okay look that was an okay look it wasn't a ton of bad looks but not the clean looks necessarily you would want and yeah they started three for 31 from downtown they went from the 130 mark of the first quarter to the 157 mark of the third quarter without a make but a whole lot of attempts in that one finished 7 of 42 like you mentioned 16 percent from three-point range and that was because of jeff green jeff green went three of six had he not they would have shot 11 percent. so thank god he made those otherwise that would have been an embarrassing shooting performance but that was their worst of the season that that three-point shot the previous worst was 20 percent of their makes 
um, in a game that I think they went 9 of 45 against the Thunder in a loss. But obviously, we know this Rockets team, they they rely a lot on the three-point shot. They rely a lot on getting to the rim, and they just couldn't do a lot of either. Uh, I will say this. Russell Westbrook was good in this game for the most part. 29 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, a lot of shots uh, from the field, 11 of 27. Um, and he nearly ended Montrez Harrell on a dunk attempt where he, he got a blocking foul, and he just he punched it against the side of the rim instead of flushing it home. Uh, but he was it. I mean, James Harden was terrible in this game. It's terrible. Like, he was, uh, what, 4 of 17, scored 16 points, 0 of 8 from deep, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 turnovers. Uh, as you mentioned, the Clippers, they have the perimeter defense, but the Rockets uh, just couldn't get James Harden free for anything. Right, and like you said, they really did swarm him, and then that let Russell Westbrook play, you know, the game that he's been playing all season, which is a lot of driving to the basket. He had that open lane, and also I don't really know who on the Clippers can defend the guy when he's just going for it. So it was just one of those games that just didn't match up well for Harden. Like you mentioned, he looked terrible. And then Westbrook doesn't shoot a lot of threes. So he didn't uh, succumb to what I would say or (laughs) what you said is the worst shooting, you know, game they had all season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was fantastic in this one. He cruised to an easy 25 points, six rebounds, five assists, was eight to 15 from the floor in 29 minutes. We mentioned Zubats. He was feasting in this one just absolutely like 17 and 12 in 20 minutes six of six from the field five of six from the free throw line um just it was too easy for me had a couple of big dunks in this one and you know looking at this rockets style of play obviously this is going to get tested a lot in the playoffs this is going to be a big topic of conversation uh there are a couple of matchups where i think it's good and they've played the clippers really well this year but i still when the clippers are fully formed like this and they're healthy I personally don't think a team like the Rockets can hang with them. Uh, not just it for a game, but like I'm talking about a whole series. I don't think they can make a whole lot of adjustments here. Sure. I mean, other than making a couple more threes, what are you really going to do? And even like you're not going to go seven of 42 for seven games in a row, but you're not going to shoot too much better when the Clippers defense is swarming you this way. Right, absolutely. Paul George, 13 points on 13 shots, but he did have nine rebounds, seven assists. Montrezl Harold, 19 points, 10 rebounds in 22 minutes. Six straight wins for the Clippers. Five of those have been against playoff teams. For the Rockets, Jeff Green, 17 points off the bench, but none of that mattered. They came into this game at 10-3 and three in their last three games, uh, but then did shoot that uh, season worse. 16% from three-point range. They split the series with the Clippers 2-2 two and two on the season. And one more note in this game, Patrick Beverly had a, a decently hard foul on James Harden on the break. As soon as it went up, I said, Twitter's going to think it wasn't a flagrant, and then they're going to call it a flagrant one. And that's, that's exactly what happened because we forget this isn't how the 90s were anymore. That is a flagrant in today's NBA, whether we like it or not. I mean, I totally assumed it was a flagrant. I just, you know, wish it wasn't. He could have fouled him a little bit softer is what we're trying to say, but it was the right foul to make. Yeah, and it was fine. It's just they, you know, they like to, they have a little animosity between each other. (laughs) All right, this is the news everyone needs for Friday. LeBron James says he's not motivated by MVP awards. He's motivated by being the best. This is what he said after practice. It's never motivated motivated me regarding the MVP. Regular season MVP has never motivated me. To be the best, to be the best to ever play the game has motivated me and has resulted in me being able to le- be league MVP a couple times. But I've never gone into the season saying, okay, league MVP is what I want to be. I've gone into the season saying, okay, I want to be the MVP of this team. I want to be the best player in the world. And how I approach my game every day, how I take care of my body every day has resulted in that award. He has won it four times. Nitz, 
I don't believe that he's never thought I want to be the MVP of the league. I don't I like as a young guy, you would 100%. It doesn't mean he didn't want to be the best player of all time either, but I 100% believe he wanted to be MVP. He sort of alluded to it before. That's also basically the same thing. Like being the best player of all time is a tier above MVP. So if you're going into every season being like, I want to be the MVP of this team and I want to win and I want to be the best. You're basically inching for that MVP every single season. I don't buy it either. I think that it's semantics at that point. And this is what I don't like about this. Uh, this is and look, he's going to manicure his image the way he wants to manicure his image. And I, and I don't have a problem with that. But what I don't like about it is the fact that if he came out and said, yeah, I want to be MVP this year, it would be a whole thing. Like we're not players aren't allowed to want individual awards anymore which i think is just stupid because then we say oh they're making it about them that's not how that works if you're the most valuable player in the league that means you have the most value and you are helping your team it's so dumb that guys can't say that they want this i want lebron james to say hell yeah i want mvp i don't think Giannis should be it i think i should be it i'm the most valuable i mean you saw you know we saw guys getting these challenges from kobe and kobe did tell Giannis at one point that he wanted him to go out and win mvp that doesn't mean he's like yo i want you to stat pad i want you to only care about yourself no He's saying, be the best guy on the best team, lead them to a championship, get MVP. Yeah, and at the same time, I do. I should clarify, uh, once a guy has been awarded MVP, don't whine about it, James Harden. That's not what we do here. <laughs> Going on a summer press tour of why you deserved it more. Exactly. Speaking of MVP... Dion Waiters has signed with the Lakers for the rest of the season. Uh, they had an open roster spot. They decided they wanted to go with Waiters. Um, obviously, he's been through it, right? Especially this season. He had the gummy incident. He's, had, he's been suspended by the team multiple times when he was in Miami. He was part of the Andre Iguodala trade. Memphis bought him out, and he's been working out trying to prove that he should get a shot with a contender. Uh, he's a Rich Paul client. He wanted to be on the Lakers. The Lakers end up signing him the rest of the season. But Nitz, it sounds like... You know, this is a, you know, do or die moment for Deion Waiters with his career is that this may be the last chance he gets to prove himself. Now, I actually think they need that type of player, a guy who can go out and go get his own shot and generate offense when LeBron isn't on the floor. So I don't hate the idea of Deion Waiters in this situation, but I don't know how you believe that he has any credit here that's been built up. I don't think he has any credit, but I am interested to see it because, like you said, it's kind of exactly what they need. It's a low-risk game for them, too, because they can cut him whenever they want. And, like, it's exactly what you said. They need some type of scoring when LeBron and AD are on the bench. So what's the harm in trying out a guy like Waiters that, you know, can be a high-reward kind of guy? With that said, uh, it probably doesn't work out, right? I mean, I just, I mean, it's look, I want to believe in Dion waiters, but I've wanted to believe in Dion waiters a lot in my life. And it's, it's worked like for half a season. And so at least that half a season got him $50 million. So that's good. Uh, Speaking of money, Boston Celtics guard, Marcus smart has been fined $35,000 by the NBA for confronting and verbally abusing the referees in Tuesday's loss to the Brooklyn nets. It was announced Thursday, uh, Vice President of Basketball Operations for the League, Kiki Vandeweghe, said the amount of the fine reflects Smart's multiple prior violations of acceptable on-court decorum. Uh, he got mad that they called fouls that he committed against Karis LeVert in that uh, in that explosion <laughs> by Karis LeVert when he went for 51 points against the Celtics. Uh, he didn't like that they called those obvious fouls, but, you know, I, it's not my money, and he makes a lot of money, so I guess he'll be okay. All right, and it's... Two other games on the night, Thursday night, Nuggets 114, Hornets 112 in Charlotte. Jamal Murray made a crazy fallaway jumper from the baseline with six seconds left. Give the Nuggets the lead after Cody Zeller went one of two at the free throw line to tie it up. 
barely beat the shot clock, but he did beat the shot clock. It went in. They're up two. So where do the Hornets go at the end of the game? Terry Rozier, he isolates against Jeremy Grant, who's a lot taller, a lot more athletic, and a lot better than he is. Uh, But he slips on a move. He couldn't really recover. He gets off a contested three-point shot, misses it a little bit long. Great defense by Jeremy Grant. And the Hornets end up losing instead of getting that win. Nuggets were coming off a bad loss to the Warriors. Hornets were coming off... Well, being the Hornets, and uh, this game was really close the whole way, surprisingly close. Both teams had slight leads here and there. Now they can really get away from the other. Nikola Jokic, 10 shots in this game, just 10 shots, had 14 points, did 11 rebounds and 8 assists, went 5 of 10 from the field, but he didn't get his first points until over halfway through the second quarter. So, Nitz, it feels like the one thing that bothers me about Jokic um, is I know he can score. And so I want him to score more often. To his credit, he did that in the playoffs last year in his first playoff stint. But I do feel like he needs to be more of a scoring option now so that they can prepare for it in the postseason. Yeah, totally. And we've seen this from him before where he just decides to not impose his will. And we both know that he can. And not getting a single point until halfway through the second quarter to me is an effort problem with him. It's not that... He just can't make it, right? Right. Um, and you mentioned it on the power rankings this week. This team looks best when he's a score-first kind of guy, and he needs to get back into that groove. Uh, absolutely. And so, I and I just think like this is a game where Charlotte is so much worse than than the Nuggets, obviously, right? And they they needed to come out there and destroy them so that they could have an easy night and not have to go through that. But that doesn't always work out that way. Maybe if uh, Jokic had done better, but maybe if anyone else had done better. Jamal Murray was fine in this game, had the game winner, but uh, only had 18 points to lead all Nuggets scores. They had a bunch of guys in double digits. All the starters were in double figures. Uh, they had seven players overall in double figures. For the Hornets, Devontae Graham, great game again. Uh, 24 points, 7 assists, was 8 of 15 from the field. P.J. Washington, the rookie, another huge contribution. 20 points, 6 boards, 3 assists. Willie Hernan Gomez was good. 14 points and 6 rebounds. He was 7 of 11 from the field. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was a did-not-play. And uh, when asked about it after the game, Mike Malone said that uh, it's because Denver's defense has ranked 27th in the NBA since the All-Star break. Doesn't mean that he won't play against Cleveland. Of course, Cleveland sucks well I guess the Hornets suck I don't know why he didn't play if they were worried about defense but they did only win by two points Sixers 125 Kings 108 in Sacramento the other game of the night no Joel Embiid no Ben Simmons no problem for the Sixers Kings tried to hang around this one they really tried they just couldn't get stops Uh, they went on a 12-0 run in the third quarter to make this a game they cut it to seven Uh, then after the Sixers responded with an 18-7 run to close out the, the third quarter, they were up 18 after three. Kings tried to make another run, just couldn't quite get anything going. Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, both real comfortable in this game. Harris finished with 23 points, 14 rebounds, three assists. Shake Milton finished with 20 points on eight of 14 shooting. Al Horford was really good in this one. He had 18 points, eight boards, six assists. Alec Burks had 17 off the bench. Howell Neto had 16 off the bench. And the Sixers, that team that can't really shoot, had 16 made three-pointers in this game. For the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, 21 points, 7 assists. Buddy Heald had 22 off the bench. He knocked down six three-pointers all by himself. King shot extremely well in this game. 52% of their shots went in, but defense just was too bad. Uh, Philly snaps a two-game losing streak on this West Coast trip after losing to both L.A. teams. They're now 1-2 and two on the trip. The Kings lose their three-game win streak, dropped to four games behind Memphis for the eight seed. Nits, it's very crowded in the West for the eight seed. The Kings were making a surge. They still think they've won 12 of the last 17 games. Do you think that they can make up those final four games and push Memphis for the eight seed? No. I think if I'm looking at teams that have proven to me all season that they're going to be in that final eight seed, it's between Memphis and Portland with like maybe, maybe the Pelicans who are also having trouble securing wins right now. So I think the Kings are so 
you know, they had like a, they've had a great last 17 games, like you mentioned, but they just don't, I don't think that they can make that final push. All right, Nitz, let's get to line of the night. We got some good ones tonight. Kawhi Leonard had 25, 6, and 5. Norm Powell with a career-high 37 points. Tobias Harris, 28 points, 14 rebounds. Steph Curry, uh, what was it, 23, 7, and 7. Who gets your line of the night? As much as I'd love to give it to Steph, it's obviously got to go to Norm. Career-high, 37 points, a win over Golden State, and a fun win. So let's go, Norm. No, you're out of your mind. It's Steph Curry. He made this whole night fun. Bro, the Rockets wet the bed. They, they couldn't lot. do anything. Fine. Ivica Zubats, 17 we and 12. We don't give awards that's to losers. Ivica Zubats, that's the alternative. You happy with that? Yeah, I would much rather take it. Yeah, I'll take Zoo over a loss. Don't lie to me. All right, that's going to do it for today's <laughs> show. Don't forget about the other shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. Of course, Nerdish Road just came out. Great back-to-back earlier this week. Uh, no dunks every day. Tampering, House of Strauss, Hoops Adjacent with uh, Stan Van Gundy this week. Fantastic episode. Check out the Amin Al Hassan one from last week. Don't forget about the team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. Of course, my personal favorites, game notes and hoops and howls, but maybe that's just because I love the host. Don't forget, follow on the app. You get notifications for new episodes and subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't done so already. Theathletic.com slash Daily Dink. It's a 40% off a subscription. It's the best money you can spend, $3 a month. Who doesn't want to read the best NBA coverage, the best sports coverage out there for just $3 a month? Thanks for waking up with us. Get ready for the weekend. Sleepwalk your way through this Friday workday. And Nitz, hit me with that sign-up. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.